Don't you think we could refer to it as him? The evil is gone. Blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. And of course, if you've heard that music, it's only one thing. It can only mean the terrifying, the scary, the 1978, the original John Carpenter, Deborah Hill Halloween. Yes, that's right. This week, we're a little bit late, but it's better to be late than early, I've been told in my life. So uh, we're doing Halloween 1978, and I can't do that without 80s Paul and the very sexy Neil. How are you guys? Oh, thanks, Jude. <laughs> I, I think I prefer Neil's intro to mine. Eighties, <laughs> <laughs> Paul. I'm either in my eighties or stuck in the eighties, which we know which one it is, <laughs> or could be both. Or Neil. Well, I was about to say, don't, don't, fairness, don't say we know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of try and stick with the themes, the way things are going, and we were going to do the Matrix because we want to get that the third film out the way and done put to bed and uh but james can't be with us so we thought as it's halloween it's that time of the year um why not to do the original slasher film and uh it's something i thought we had done before we've done the the kind of the most recent halloween film um but we haven't done uh the original one which i was quite surprised about i I honestly thought we we'd done it it shows you how bloody good (laughs) i am and i'm on top of the podcast but um yeah so this is we thought fuck it let's just do it it's absolutely brilliant so it's a 2018 film we have reviewed which is available but this one this is john carpenter and this is a deborah hill one and i don't know if you guys had the the time to look at the kind of the documentary behind the scenes on netflix did you see that oh it's so good no i haven't unfortunately but um i will uh Red Cross against your name, Paul. Tick yeah, against your name, yeah. Neil. Well done. It's all what about time. Yes. <laughs> yes, teacher's pet. Teacher's pet. <laughs> it's really, really good documentary, isn't it? I learned so much. It's fascinating. I did. It's amazing, isn't it, how this film sort of came about in a time where cinema was completely on its ass. Yeah. And they were sort of saying, don't bother going into the film industry. And the, the guy that sort of did it all it was it's a fantastic tale and the fact that this only cost 300 grand which the guy didn't even have when he agreed to do it yeah it's just it's, fantastic it is brilliant and I, I, it's so good i've seen this film so many times and it was only after watching this it's basically owen yablans is he went down uh, around distributing films mm. and that's kind of the short version of the story is he was there weren't any good horror films and he said to his wife when he go around drive um, drive throughs and stuff like, or uh, driving movies and distribute all different kind of films he says no one's doing this film and he was moaning about it and his wife said okay if, if you're that good why don't you do a film so he came up with a concept 
of someone killing babysitters and it was going to be called the babysitter murderers and he kind of took the idea um to uh, John Carpenter, who was like a big name at the time, is writing a lot of films with uh, Deborah Hill, who was in a relationship with. And they kind of penned this story and they didn't like the idea that um, the babysitter murder was so. And it was around, they thought, a theme that comes every year that all the kids are involved in. I want to make it more sinister so they can't go Halloween, um, which they kept the babysitter theme. And it was the finance and it was a case of they went to Mustafa Akkad. And he financed, as Neil said earlier, the $300,000 to make the film, which went on initially to making uh, $70 million, which was the, I think, still to this date, in comparison to the money now back then, it's the highest independent yeah. film ever. And uh, when they kind of did the initial screening, um, Mustafa said, really good film, but I've got one massive problem with it, because my name isn't at the start of the credits. And it, I didn't even notice this guy's name. And even it's only when I watched it since, and when you, the first name up on the actual screen of when you watch it is um, Mustafa Akkad presents. Then it goes into the <laughs> Halloween. And I thought, wow. And all I know is like the Donald Pleasance and um, like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and those names we recognise. And it's an amazing <clears throat> story, isn't it? That how this film came about and the cast and crew as well. Of the these people, um, Assault on District Thir or Precinct Thirteen, I think was the first film that uh, Carpenter kind of was known for. Yes, and yeah. a lot of the people who worked in the stage production worked on this as well, and it's brilliant. If you get time to watch it, Paul, and anyone who's got Netflix and this is on it, they've got Back to the Future. I think you've seen that one, Paul. I think, haven't you? I've seen a couple. Yeah, I'll be hundred percent. I watch it, and I didn't have time, unfortunately, before the show. Um, yeah. before doing this to, to watch it but um, I shall watch it and also uh, the story about Donald Pleasance is brilliant isn't it Neil <laughs> it's funny go isn't on. it come on, Neil you, you, no no go on Stu go tell on, us, tell us. It's, tell um, us. the bit when they go to the sanitarium when with the nurse um, to go and pick up oh, him Michael and his, um, his drinking problem <laughs> yeah they go to Smith's Grove <laughs> sanitarium um <laughs> And obviously, Dr. Loomis, and he's with his colleague, um, Marion Chambers, and they arrive at the sanitarium to escort Michael. And apparently, he was really, really pissed up, but he necked about three bottles of red wine. <laughs> and they were really concerned that he wouldn't be able to do the lines. But And they were even more surprised that he could consume so much alcohol and still be capable of actually doing the lines and not appearing <laughs> absolutely plastered on screen. Uh, it is just brilliant. And again, the things of how they got around um, kind of props, like when he breaks the windscreen, he's got a wrench which is um, taped with um, like skin coloured plaster tape in his hand, which he uses to break the windscreen when he goes to grab the nurse. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of visible on screen, but uh, I've never seen it before until I saw this documentary. Uh, and it's the little things like that in this. And what was also fascinating was they were the first people when you see the football matches these days, they've got these cameras that are built into them where you can do it one smooth take. It's like strapped to their body. And it's like the Panavision is the first camera they did that could actually have this. And it's four minutes of film that they could only film because they had to be mobile carrying them around. And it's the first film ever that when you see the start of this, where Michael's going through the house um, and he goes and picks up the mask, it's mm. all one mm. take. 
apart from when he picks up the mask, because that was the four minutes of film used up and that to splice it, picking up the mask. And then he carries on with another set of film going upstairs, another four minutes where he goes and um, he stabs his sister, Judith, upstairs. And that's done for the first time ever using these mobile um, panic cameras that could only record four minutes. And it's the th things like that. And at the end of it, when Michael's dead, that they show the house, they show the hallway, the stairs. They wanted something to pad out the film um, and to give it a bit more of an eeriness. So they actually went through the bin to um, Carpenter to find these bits of film and they added them at the end. And it and they kind of to their surprise it gave a really good chilling effect of the empty house, the empty um, stairwell, and the bedrooms, and it was it worked so well. But again, if you don't know the story, you don't kind of appreciate these little strokes of genius mm. that work so well and that the longevity. It's absolutely fascinating. I love stuff like this. Going back to what you were saying about Donald and um, the drinking problem. Um, there were a couple of in that scene where he's up, he's outside the sanatorium. He gets out of the car <clears throat> and um, he's trying to communicate with the, with the nurse as well. And there were a couple of things I had to keep rewinding. I was trying to work out what he was saying. <laughs> and there, there were a couple of things where he was like, "I'm gonna." I'm gonna there was a, like two or three lines. Yeah. I was like, "I can't get what he's saying." It was like he couldn't get the lines out. So when you say that, that makes perfect sense. That he obviously just couldn't get it out. Yeah, right. it's, it, it's amazing, isn't it? it? And he is Larrup, isn't he? Because <laughs> <laughs> when I watched this, yeah, go on. Go, on, go on, go on, no, 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 you go, mate. Yeah, go no, on. I was just saying it was, it's funny. I didn't, you didn't realise it until I'd seen, seen the documentary, and I watched it mm. after the documentary, mm. and to see, I noticed all the things in it, and it was hilarious. But yeah, him being that, you can even see it in his eyes, can't you? He's completely yeah. pissed. I think to yeah. watch it again. <laughs> honestly it's so good it really is and again yeah. when you watch the start of it that's when you see this camera filming the smoothness of the camera and the the, the eerie nature it gives to the like the film like the cinematography of someone actually looking michael looking through the windows and mm. going in the house mm. and just to hear the story of they used this film and it was a new idea and it, and it just worked and the reason why they did four minutes was because that's the all the film they had yeah, and, and it's great because you kind of think, well, this is editor's choice, and you think, well, no, their hand was forced, but it's so good. I mean, the, how, I, I love this film. I get really excited. I've seen this film so many times. Well, hearing your voice, it's, it's it's just such a good. It's the original slasher film, isn't it? Mm, and they it were is. talking, interestingly enough, the Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. When they went to make Friday the Thirteenth, they were like, well, all we're doing is reinventing Halloween because it yeah. worked for them. And it's, I think, the, the the Halloween films have stayed, even though a lot of them, I mean, we'll go through the films now, a lot of them um, have kind of stayed true to themselves. I mean, it started off, obviously, the 78 Halloween. Um, Halloween 2, which I've watched most of these this week, um, is the continuation. And then you've got the season of The Witch, which is it's just terrible that's where they invent the masks where people wear them and the program comes on and they're kind of their faces melt yeah um halloween for the return of michael myers and then bless him it's the revenge of michael myers and then he had didn't have much more luck because it was the curse of michael myers 
then H2O, Resurrection, then Rob Zombie's Halloween, which is a really good Halloween. I recommend anyone seeing the Rob Zombie ones. Um, Halloween 2 in 2009. Then you had that nine-year gap. Then you had the Halloween, which kind of really reinvented himself again. But going back to the roots, um, where you've got Jamie Lee Curtis back, it's a 2018 Halloween. You've got Halloween Kills, um, which I've just, I've watched that quite a few times now. Um, and they finished the franchise. Uh, but interesting to see how it works out in 2022 with Halloween Ends. Um, and it's good because the Halloween Kills film, it goes full circle back to the original one. Um, where you've got, uh, obviously it's, it's some of the characters are the same. But you, some of them are kind of being reinvented. You've got Tommy back, who is uh, the one who's being babysat for. And you've got Lindsay um who's been who Annie babysits for Lindsay Wallace. So you've got these characters back in it. You've even got the sheriff as well, he's the father um of Annie, mm-hmm. and um he's um Sheriff Lee Brackett, and he plays a security guard in um the film where he's retired from the police and he's still in it. So it, it's really good the continuity they've got. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of goes full circle. I mean, it, it's like a bit of a Marmite film. You either love it or hate it, the, the new films, especially um, Halloween Kills. But they really stay true, whereas a Friday the 13th, you've got him against um, Freddy Krueger, which is quite an entertaining film, but it's like Jason Goes to Space and all shit like that. And oh, uh, Jason X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's terrible, yeah. isn't it? Well, they did nine of them originally, didn't they? And then they were like, oh, how else can we stretch out that franchise? No, let's send him to space. And then let's have him <laughs> you fight know, Freddy Krueger. And it's just, oh, come on. You know, yeah. though, you know, they're going back to like, so like, we, we were kids at the time these came out, like Freddy Krueger and like, Halloween yeah. and, and, and Friday the 13th and that. But at the time, the idea of Freddy Krueger coming out of your dreams was far scarier than some fellow in a mask coming into your house for for me it was like you dream it and you bring it into your reality that was far scarier than halloween really yeah i i found i found um nightmare on elm street far scarier than halloween definitely wow i I always found this scarier yeah visually definitely it was like the, when the girl spins around and is being mm. cut and there's blood everywhere on, on the ceiling yeah 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 it, you're right it's gory but it's interesting because this one here <clears throat> the guy that um produced it didn't he uh, i can't remember his name now Stu, you were talking about him before the one that John was wearing the sh- no the one that was wearing the shorts in the documentary oh, oh yeah um oh god his name what erwin yablins yeah Anyway, yeah, yeah. but basically, because he came up with this concept, didn't he, of how he wanted to do a horror film, and he said he didn't want any blood in it whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. He said, because he remembers listening to when he was a kid, obviously, he was a lot older than us, that he used to listen to horror shows on the radio, and he said, anything that was created in my mind would be far worse than anything that you would be able to put on screen. So the whole reason this film is, it's all suspense, rather 100%, than yeah, physical things. That. So you, there's very rarely you'll see any gore in this film whatsoever. In fact, I don't think there's any gore in this film at all. No. But he said that he w- he didn't want it. You know, I've literally just had that conversation with my father-in-law over a meal um, about Jaws. The fact that if you saw the, 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 the crappy shark they created, you know, you, mm. could see, you, you, you could see the dynamics of it and how it worked and stuff. 
what was scary about Jaws, and we've talked about this before, haven't we, Stuart? That yeah. it was what you didn't see, and it was the legs sort of flailing around in the water, and and um, seeing the, the shark fin dip into the water, mm. and and not knowing what were you you're going to, you know, to see next and experience. That was a scary thing. And again, with with radio drama, your your imagination, and, and like Jeepers Creepers, Jeepers Creepers was great until you saw. The creature at the end, you know, because you're, you're imagining, like, like I said, in a radio drama is limitless. But the minute you put a budget on a special effect, then, you know, it's limited to that experience. And and it dates it. It, doesn't it, looks, it? it dates yeah. it. It looks crap. You know, um, like it, it, it the initial the, the original it was great until you that's saw the fantastic. spider at the end. You saw the spider at the end. You're like, well, that's crap now. That's ruined it for me. It's yeah. still better than the remake. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, you're Definitely. right. Definitely. Remake. Terrible. But... See, I always find this concept, and I think it's because I, I always remember the first time I ever watched this. Um, it was uh, my dad on a Sunday when my mum was out working. This was on TV, and we recorded it, and we had it on video. And my dad said, you can sit and watch this. Don't tell your mum. And I was far too young to watch it. <laughs> it. And it terrorised me. And I always find things, even to this day, something that uh, to a certain extent possibly could happen. Like a nutcase with mental health issues, wearing a mask, going around killing people rather than I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in anything like that. And the paranormal films, they... It amused me, but it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is bollocks. It didn't happen. It's absolute nonsense. Someone says it happened just for the, to spin the yarn even more. But the the fact of someone coming into your house and killing you terrorised me even more. And to this day, I, I'll always, this will be my go-to. And as you said earlier, Paul, that because there isn't any blood in this and it's you use your imagination, that it terrorised me even more. I mean, I remember when some one of my um, friends saw, or one of my kind of my father's friends saw this, and he was telling me about this film, and he said, "Yeah," and I, it's still weird the things that stay in my mind of, "Yeah, he kills a German Shepherd," and I was thinking, I still remember thinking, "Fucking hell, he kills a German Shepherd. This guy must be crazy, as if it's real." <laughs> and it, it was so much hype in my mind of watching this film that it really terrorised me. And I, I kind of get that nostalgia every time I watch it. Oh, it's nice that you get that from this, you know. It's obviously... And that's the thing, though, you know, when you're a kid and you watch things and and certain films resonate, don't they, and they stick with you. And this is clearly something that's stuck with, stuck with you ever since. And it's, you know, that's the power of a decent film, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And, and I think it goes to show that with someone's imagination, uh, such as like the cast and crew when they did this, and also you don't need a massive budget, as in like Star Wars when they wreck things completely, that you can get the idea right, and especially when there was nothing like this. I mean, and it's great that at the time no one was known. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, as they should in that documentary, she had her part in like an extra in Colombo as a waitress. Yeah. She wasn't a massive name, but she was a massive get with regards to who her mum, who her dad were. Yeah. And Donald Pleasance, even though he was <laughs> getting wankered most of the time, was still a massive draw back in those days. Um, he didn't and, want to do it, though, did he? 
he said he'd agreed to it and then after yeah. he was like oh fuck I didn't want to do this at all yeah. and that's why he sat there and got pissed every night because he just yeah. didn't it's give like a he, shit he agreed to doing something but I think he saw you'll get paid for it and that was it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it, she, it, she was in she was in Colombo the same year that Donald Pleasance was in Colombo oh really oh, they, there you go. yeah so one of them was in Death Lends a Hand one of them was in I can't remember the name of the other one um yeah, she was a waitress, as you said. Yeah. And then he he was the owner of a of a vineyard, um, and killed his brother. Um, and he ah. was fan, he was fantastic in it. And you know me, I'll always chat about Columbo. Yes. Oh, you um, love it, yeah. But, yeah. but he was he Columbo was really and helicopters. good. Helicopters. <laughs> yeah, helicopters. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But um, and and he he always Donald always plays a very calm character, but you can see this underlying like burbling going on in this character that just explodes in a weird way. He always explodes in a really weird, you know, uncomfortable way, doesn't he? And you can see yeah. him doing it in this as well. But he, he just does it very well. He's a great yeah, actor, he's isn't he? he's got a definite presence on screen, and it's great. And Pleasance. The, yeah. the Pleasance has got a presence, exactly. Yes. And the start of this is great. When you get Michael, he's six years old, he's, he's going through the house. Um, his sister, Judith, got a boyfriend over and as i say it kind of follows up on that camera and they edit it when he puts the mask on then they start filming again and he goes in the sister's bedroom and it's unusual because for once we actually get in boobies in a film and i asked for them the other week on the matrix when it was really dull and we're getting boobies now and he goes into his sister's bedroom <laughs> and it's it's kind of like when i obviously separated myself from nostalgia to watching it now and it's there's so much more hardcore now when you've got hostile and you've got torture porn and things like that mm. it's they've got their place and they've got and a lot of them are fun and i do enjoy watching them don't get me wrong but this is for me this is like hardcore this is what it's all about this is your imagination isn't it i, I think seeing someone getting there kind of tortured in hostile is fun but it's I think it's got a shelf life because it's all been done before. But when it's like the sister, for instance, getting stabbed is quite comical. He's got a massive knife in his hand. She puts up no fight. And it's from his point of view mm. wearing that mask. And she yeah. just stands there with her boobs out going, Michael, Michael. And he just stabs her umpteen times. It is the worst defense ever, isn't it? It's the worst stabbing as well because he's not moving his arm at all. <laughs> ferociously <laughs> it's, it's like he's yeah. you know putting a little hole in a baked potato it's, it's so literal it, isn't it it is it's yeah. like that, you know he was never but anyway it's because he looks up at the air the knife going down yeah. as if as if it's like yep yeah, the knife is going up that's right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the rare occasions you do see blood and she gets stabbed multiple times um I think for for a booby shot, to be honest, and it's interesting because he goes outside and he just stands there, and that's it. His mum comes home, and uh, I looked on the internet with regards to kind of I like looking at kill counts. There's some really good YouTube um, kill counts uh, videos like this show, and it's non counted deaths. You got Edith Myers off screen car accident, Peter Myers off screen car accident, and they even include. Um, the strangled dog, an unnamed dog, strangled and eaten in Michael Myers' house. 
So is there any mention that his parents died in a car crash in this film? Yes, there was, yeah. Okay. When yeah. was that mentioned? I must have oh, missed that. Oh, boy. Um, must have come from Pleasance, surely. Must have done. Yeah, must have done, yeah. It's got you, because Michael Myers doesn't even I think, talk. No, but... yeah, I think he did when he was talking to the police officer, when he was talking to the cop, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got the cast, we haven't even spoken about the cast. I mean, you've got... Donald Pleasance as um, Dr. Loomis. You've got uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as um, Laurie Stroder, isn't she? And you've got Michael Myers, who they call him the shape, which is really, really good because they tell him when he's walking around to be in Michael Myers, to act like a shape and just move around and walk around. And you've got Nancy Keys as Annie, PJ Souls as Linda. Um, and you've got Charles Cyphers as Brackett. And you've got Lindsay and Tommy as well, the kids. And apart from that, the rest of the people are just cannon fodder um, who get killed <laughs> in between scenes, to be honest, um, yeah. which we definitely a need. The, a few of the cast play um, Myers, don't they? The shape. Yeah, it's quite good Throughout fun, isn't it. it? Yeah, They all have a go at doing it, which is great. Yeah. It's really weird when the parents come home and he's standing there with a knife <laughs> and it's covered in blood. But the fact they just stand there looking at him, they don't... No one <laughs> says, what have you done? What's happened? Michael? I want to go in the house. Michael? So, <laughs> maybe take the massive knife off him and say, why is it covered in blood? What's going on? They just go, Michael! Uh, they stand there for ages, don't they? Just looking at him. It's just... Oh, God. <laughs> fucking brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's classic. It is, and then you go to Smith Grove's um, the sanitarium, and it's—I I do believe it's 15 years later. He's been locked up in the sanitarium, and it's 1978, and conveniently it's the 30th of October. And you've got Donald Pleasance. The first introduction, he's got this nurse with him, and the way he talks about—and this is one thing that's kind of constant—the um, yeah. way he talks about Michael as not being a human being. And just yeah. how evil he is. Don't you think we could refer to it as him? It's absolutely he refers to him brilliant. as it, doesn't he? Yeah, it's so good the way he describes him. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him. And then another seven trying to keep him locked up. Because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Yeah, because she, the nurse says, can't we refer to it as him as, as a him sort of thing? Because he's constantly saying it, isn't he? Yeah. See that he's just pure evil and he can't be released and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But I so, like that because they carry on that throughout the, um, like you said, Stu, they do carry that on, don't they? In the remake yeah. of this in 2018 that we reviewed, it was very much, um, oh, I can't remember, Mr. Dr. Santane, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Dr. Satan. Um that sort of said about how evil he was and everything else like that. So it's nice that they kept that theme going. Yeah, and it's interesting that they talk about how evil he is, but it's only him and this nurse, who's clearly inexperienced, um, just going to take him to where he's going. And it's you'd think if someone that evil would be chained up, put in a van. I take it they was going to go in a, that car. There was no mention of him being taken anywhere else, was there? I guess so. He's so. going to be taken in front of a judge, isn't he, um, to be sentenced uh, for his all of the for his sins, basically. And when they get there, it was really creepy at night time with the flashing headlights. 
And you can see everyone else when they discovered that all the other mental patients have escaped. And this is going back to when you've got like the sanitariums and like the like the loony asylums they were called back in those days mm-hmm. of all of these people. You had visions of them having super strength, being absolutely bonkers and being able to tear your limbs off and just being mad. And it was really eerie seeing them in their white gowns, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is eerie. But you do think, why, why are they going in the middle of the night? Yeah, it just it didn't really make any sense. No. And why, why park so far away from the gate and then have to walk up to the gate? If you were that worried, you wouldn't get out the car. You know what I mean? It's just it's so funny. It really is. You say you say walk more of a stumble. Thanks to the gate, bless him. <laughs> yeah, singing as he goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great because when Michael attacks the nurse, and for those who have watched this film again who haven't seen that documentary, when he got his hand on there, you can see like, the wrench taped to his hand to break that glass. <clears throat> he still has to hit it with some impact and she runs away. And again, it's kind of, I always thought, how does he learn how to drive? He went in there when he was six years old. Has he read? Did he have driving lessons? How does he learn how to drive? I'm not being funny. It's not hard to drive an American car, is it? There's two pedals. Very true. It's, Very true. Yeah, Apart yeah. from a Honda Jazz, yeah. is it? It's not a Honda Jazz. You need to, you know, be a proper driver to <laughs> drive a Honda Jazz. <laughs> It's definitely it's a proper something. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Laura Strode, you then see her in Haddonfield, and she goes to the Myers house to drop some keys off. And it, for those who, I mean, spoilers. So if you haven't seen the new film, uh, I'm not going to spoil it that much, but I'm going to talk about it. That there's the conversation that's been ongoing of. She drops the keys off at the house and Michael's in the house and Michael sees her. And a lot of people believe that's where he had some kind of infatuation with her. And through all of these films, um, I think, or the ones that she starred in anyway, I mean, altogether towards the end, there'll be, I think, 13 films. But they all believe that the ones that she was in, he wanted to get to her and he wanted to kill her. And do you, what's your point of view with regards to this kind of being true? Do you think because you went to the house, he had a fascination with her or she was just in the way and he'll kill who he wants? What's your kind of point of view on this? I think it was just that. I think that he, at that point, he'd, he did have a fascination with her and he wanted to go. What about yourself, Neil? Yeah, well, I suppose that's the first person he's seen from the neighborhood isn't it that yeah. he you know the house to him is probably sacred because it was his house and she's come over to it so i guess she i don't know why other than the fact that she goes to the door that she just he decides that she's the one he wants to sort of stalk because that's almost what he does throughout this first bit of the film isn't it? he just stalks her and then obviously yeah. goes on this rampage later on yeah, because they were kind of talking about he it is evident that he does stalk her. I mean, you see in this famous blue boiler suit, <clears throat> and we'll talk about it now, that the mask he wears, I mean, the problems they had with that mask, <laughs> as you know, it's the William Shatner mask, and they shaved the sideburns, they shaved the eyebrows off it, and they sprayed it. That and It was so effective in these films. 
that it was so good that they couldn't get another mask and they couldn't recreate the same mask to get that look. And that's why through all of the films that he looks different through the films because they were saying that the mask was so good and it was just so off the wall because they were going to choose a clown's mask very similar to the one that he picked up but that yeah. they just couldn't recreate the Shatner mask and I mean what a homage to William Shatner I think I mean it's probably more famous for being his bloody mask than he is for Captain Kirk for a lot of people I think they picked up a few didn't they they did there was a Spock mask there was the clown <laughs> mask and they, they picked up loads of different ones they were like they looked at the clown one first, didn't they? They were like, no, no, we're not going with that. Imagine a Dr. Spock mask. That would look yeah. terrible. <laughs> just, yeah, just going around pretending to be a Vulcan, killing people. Because, um, yeah, they repainted this, didn't they? They made it pure white and then, like you say, cut the eyes out so they were bigger. So yeah. like, they were sort of black eyes, if you like. And, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's brilliant. Shaving the sideburns off, shaving the eyebrows off, just give it that look of just no expression, which makes it even more sinister. It's amazing the little things like that that make it timeless. It really, really does. No, it does. There's nothing like it, is there? There's no other. They couldn't. You couldn't do it again, could you? At the end of the day, you have you. You know, they, but there again, I suppose they've all got their things, haven't they? Uh, Freddy Krueger's got his hat, and Jason's got his sort of hockey mask. So yeah, they've all oh, got their definitely. things. And I think what what I like in this, and we spoke about this when we did um, the 2018 Halloween film. When you see Laurie when she's at school, and she looks out the window, and again, they kind of some real homages to this film in the 2018. And when she's just looking out, just seeing what's going on. And you got Michael there with his mask, just staring. I mean, there's just something so creepy about that, isn't there? That would freak anyone out, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Some fucking faceless man or person just staring at you through the fucking window. Yeah. You'd be like, what is going on? What is it, that? And it's a brilliant idea. The fact that it's Halloween, the fact that people just walk around probably before and after wearing their costumes, the fact that you can disguise yourself in plain sight, even in daylight, just adds to the fact that it's so terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. It's, a, it's an easy way to get away with crime, isn't it? Well, he, he freaked people out. He hid himself in plain daylight in that car that he nicked. Mm. You know, even at some point in the film, Donald Pleasance looks around and he's parked behind him. And never oh, that bit's car. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be yeah, the he worst person ever. He everywhere. But apart from where, <laughs> where the car's parked. Um, and it's an obvious car, isn't it? So, oh, it's um, so funny. You, do you know who you brilliant. needed? You needed Lieutenant Drevin from Police Squad standing there looking <laughs> around with Michael yeah. Myers driving with the window down, leaning out the window. And you've got Leslie Nielsen just doing that expression on his face. Nothing to see here. It's just terrible. It's hilarious. Have you not seen... Go on, on, mate. No, no, sorry, carry on. I was saying, when you've got Tommy at school, again, this is another callback to the 2018, which I really enjoyed. When he's being bullied, which obviously no one likes bullies, that he breaks the... um, the, God, pumpkin. And when the bully runs into Michael Myers... And the look of terror on his face, 
is so so good and how does tommy not see michael myers standing I there i don't know what when he's following him in the car <laughs> oh when he's walking across the playground yeah and michael myers is the only one wearing his mask looking at him but freak yeah, yeah. uh it is interesting thing about this though was the fact that there was because of when they filmed it they couldn't get any pumpkins so yeah. there's only three pumpkins in this film Really? Yeah, the rest yeah. of what was them that? were was... a South American gourd that was green. They painted, <laughs> they painted orange. And you could tell the one where Laurie's carrying <laughs> towards the end is the weirdest colour pumpkin ever, isn't it? It's so yeah. funny. It's just, it's funny. And the one it? that the one that he the one that he carried and and um, fell on and squashed. I was like, hang on, I've just cut a pumpkin out, and I know that it takes more to a small boy's weight would not crush a pumpkin like that. No, well, it, it is funny. That was one of the real ones. So, oh, was it? Yeah, there was three. The one that got squashed, but obviously that must have gone <coughs> quite old by that point. And then a couple yeah. of others. So They must have put some kind of like, yeah, an A-team explosive in it. <laughs> <laughs> to blow it out. Yeah, Mr. T. I mean, what, been there what, what I was going to ask is that like, I've not seen the 2018 remake. So... Um, I'm a big fan of old movies and dramas where you have long shots on things to, to, to play the drama out and to suck you into it. And these days, as you well all well know, that because film companies and production companies think that we are, or TV companies as well, think that we're too dim, we have to go from camera shot to camera shot to camera shot to camera shot to keep our interest or to maintain our interest. And in this film, there was a ton of really long shots from the from the beginning to the end. Mm. So what I'm asking is, <clears throat> in this in the 2018 film, was there was it a similar kind of like vein that long mm. shots, or was it just like interest move 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 with the camera shots? Um, it was. It was more modernised, I think. Really. Yeah, it was more modernised, but there was lots of. Um, tips of the hat of this uh the 1978 one i mean this it was written by john carpenter um and i mean obviously it had the input i think jamie lee curtis might have been an executive producer of it as well uh but it was it was done really really well and as i say when you look at the 78 one then you go and watch a 2018 they really do call out some moments. The looking out of the window, you've got, I think it's uh, the granddaughter of Laurie Strode. She's at school and she looks out the window. Um, the daughter's called Alison and her mum's uh, Judy Greer. When she looks out the window, she sees someone there. And it's exactly the same. And you've got um, another kid who runs and falls over and runs into Michael. And they do real kind of nods. So if you know this film, not that you'll enjoy it more, but you'll kind of appreciate the work and the thought gone into it. Um, and that's what I really like. And it's written by um, in the three films, the newer ones, um, Danny McBride, amongst others, um, Jeff Radley wrote them. So you've got the continuity across all of the Halloween, Halloween kills and the ends as well. So I, mean, I really like the films. I'll always be quite biased of them. So mm. um they are good films. They, they're really good, fun, honest slasher <coughs> films, which there aren't okay. a lot of them around these days. But yeah, yeah. 
it's, it's worth a watch, Paul. Definitely the, the remake, oh yeah, I'll watch or, it. Yeah, I say remake. Sure. I suppose it is. It's a follow-on, isn't it? But it's um, yeah, yeah. I think it is good, but I think my my issue with it is there's too many callbacks because right. it's it, it's just almost like oh we haven't got an original idea, so oh let's you know let's do another callback here and another right. callback there, and it's but it like Stu says he loves it so very yeah. much he's going to be for it. But for me, it was a bit lazy. <coughs> yeah, no, I do agree with you, mate. You, there is Judy a thin Greer. line. Yeah, she was awful. shit, wasn't she? She is yeah. the worst thing in that film. Yeah, Bar really. Man. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I value Stu's opinion on films and stuff. So I think, if, yeah, if you think it's good and worth a watch, I'll watch it. See it what is. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, what do you guys think of the two friends? Um, you've got obviously Annie. Um, she's the one who looks after Lindsay Wallace, and then you've got Linda, um, who's who's the one whose boyfriend Bobby Sims, who later gets pinned up against the wall. Um, oh, I, yeah. I thought they were uh, really good additions to this film. Yeah, I'm not so sure, mate. I think there, there were so many occasions in this in this film where you know in like i think maybe in scream and all the all the mockery films off the back of this kind of genre um play out that kind of like are you there stop playing with me um you know you know just um trying to work out if someone's in the house with them you know um stop messing around and i think there was too much of that and it was annoying because i'd seen that in like the scream and the mockery films since um, but this was the original. This, this. I is know it was. I know. I know. But looking back come now, from. At the, I know. Yeah, I know. At the time, at the time, like when I first saw it, we were like fourteen, fifteen years old, that was scary. But because I've seen so much since, and there's been so many films with you know nodding to this original, when I watch it now, I'm really jaded in how I see it, and you know it just it's kind of tainted, you know. Um, yeah, I can see what you mean. That's why you're down. You know I mean, what I mean? I like the, as in kind of the characters, I like the fact of you've got obviously Laurie, who they talk about is straight A and that she does babysit all the time, that she earned loads of money. Mm. And the fact her friends, cheerleaders and kind of real party girls, and they were kind of not frightened to, to say what they feel. And you've got that bit where Michael drives past and um, I, I can't remember which one it is now. I, I think it, um, oh, it's going to be Laurie, isn't it? Although Annie does. She's the one yeah. who later on gets her, th- her throat slit, isn't it? Mm. And strangled in the car. Um, and she's the one who shouts out like speed kills. Hey, jerk. Speed kills. And Michael stops the car. I really like mm. that part of it. Because that's, a, that's a good scene. They stop. Yeah. And, you, and all, your, all the time you're thinking, is he going to reverse? But you know he doesn't want to show himself out. Yeah. So. No, yeah, you he, think he's clearly thinking. You know, but he's like, oh, I could. You know, they've just mugged me off. Should I yeah. kill him? No, I'll best not yeah. do it. But he, you he do. I like the fact of, that. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. But I like the fact that she was brave enough to say something as soon as he stopped. 
the look mm. of fear on her face is full shit. Yeah, and, and, was, you know, and it's good that like he's that. got his music, isn't he, as well? It's kind of like Star Wars when you've got Princess Leia's got her theme mm. and Han mm. as and Luke. And when Michael comes on, you get that famous, amazing score um, with John Carpenter. It's just like, I mean, everyone, this is a really eerie kind of it's like tubular bells it's like the exorcist mm. music it's it's like raised in the last time again star it's wars easy. yeah jaws yeah. and superman you know what film and it, that's from and it kind of <clears> excites <throat> you like it does when you hear the superman and star wars and jaws theme and it, this is just so good even though it's so repetitive and it's amazed me and it annoyed me but when i watched halloween uh two and halloween i think four that they they kept the same kind of tune but the way they kind of jazzed it up and modernised it, it amazed me that someone decided to do that. Uh, uh, this is just so timeless. And it's really creepy that when he's on screen, they play this. Yeah. And he, as you say, when he stops the car, you think, oh, shit, what yeah. is going to happen here? Because they don't know they're pure <laughs> evil who's driving that when the brakes are screech. Mm. And they do shit themselves. You see it on their faces. Yeah, and it's, tell. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just so priceless. You, you yeah. know, they sh- they should always keep the music the same they did this with doctor who like i don't know like um doctor who music changes over time and uh, you know with when it comes to different series and and this as well and and other franchises and stuff but um if you keep the music the same everyone knows and understands what that what that means and what that tells you and it's a cue isn't it so when he stops and that music starts you know it's a cue that things could start turning bad. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's it's great because obviously Michael gets his revenge on Annie um, and Linda later on as well. But they're kind of walking home. And again, you've got the first one, you've got Linda peels off and it's just um, Laurie and Annie walking down. And the fact that when they're walking, you see him, just the simple thing of standing behind that hedge just yeah. staring especially after what's just happened in that car and you think fuck <coughs> what is going to happen and i do like the fact that um annie then is like well i'll go and check it out and she even does that thing where she turns her back on that hedge where she's just looked down and you think she's going to get it and just that suspense is so good even to this day it hasn't yeah. aged for me i don't you know what think, you guys thought you think something's coming don't you yeah 100 yeah, percent but that's that's like I say, you know, the guy that thought about this film originally, he said he just that's what he wanted. He wanted suspense. He wanted you to think about what was going to happen next. He didn't want it just to be in your face because I think you know horror films up to this point weren't they? They were very just, you know, they were predictable and you know, it was probably quite, you know, either not bloody at all or fairly gory. But you know cinema was on its ass and he wanted you to think about it and you did think about it because of the music like you said and the fact that the music took him about an hour to write or something ridiculous it was yeah but is that suspense and stuff and you don't really get it anymore do you at all no or i don't think you do anyway no i think you're right mate i think they've kind of done a lot of things but i do like after michael goes and the tension is still heightened that when Laurie turns around and she runs into um, Annie's dad, the sheriff, and mm. she scares the shit out of him. It makes me jump when I watch this. And <laughs> it's the look on his face. He looks a little bit creepy. He does, and, doesn't 
yeah then he says well i guess everyone's entitled to a, a good scare and you kind of think well if this is a horror film of who done it he'd be top of my list he looks really weird yeah, he? freaky you know it's halloween i guess everyone's entitled to one good scare huh yeah, yeah. Is it oh, a yeah. killer or toucher? I don't know. Yes, he's weird. <laughs> I'd go toucher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You almost expect it like she's walking away to check her ass out. You go, no, okay. Yeah, just far too <laughs> casual. Yeah. But again, you kind of when she's at home, you can think, what's going to happen? And you get that scene that would scare the shit out of me. She's far too calm of looking <laughs> out the window, and he's there, right oh, by the yeah. washing. And just staring up at her. And why doesn't he go and kill her now, I wonder? what? Why doesn't he do that? Exactly. Good question. Because he's been following her specifically, hasn't she? Hasn't he? Yeah. And it's interesting because he doesn't go anywhere near her towards the end of the film until she obviously goes and investigates something. But... Yeah, it's so odd, isn't it, that she's clearly home alone and he's stood, he stood in her back garden yeah. hoping maybe he wanted to see her tits. I don't know. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> he doesn't go in there. Equally, why doesn't she think it's as strange that she's seen... I know it, it's kind of different times now and people report stuff to the police. I don't know. Like their washing machine's broken and shit like that and they'll ring the police. But why doesn't she <laughs> ring the police that... I've got there's this it won't work, sir. <laughs> who's been staring at me and now he's looking at me from the back garden. Uh, I'm a little bit worried, but it kind of gives a nod when the phone does go and you think it's a bit of a weird phone call and she's like saying, Who is this? Who is this? And then it turns rings again and it's one of her mates. And yeah, but when but when that first happens though, Stu, like so <clears throat> I know we've got back in the day before mobile phones, there were Telephone kiosks or TKs, as people say. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, when you when you looked outside a window, there was no telephone kiosks. So when that phone rings and there's no answer, or, or there's no, no voice on the line, I think right, okay, well, what are the chances of this? Is what I thought. What are the chances of there being a telephone kiosk um, in the vicinity? So it's probably something that's not working quite well as it should do. So I kind of iron that kink out in my hand you know yeah um, but that's when they ring up later on and she's doing that like dirty phone call and she's like oh is that you and she's getting um, yeah but, when her friend's getting yeah, killed yeah I, know, I know i know but at the time like she's thinking oh yeah someone that's on the phone that's a weirdo like but in your mind you're thinking there's no way that guy could get from a garden to someone's house or wherever it was back in the 70s with some loose to change. do that <laughs> with, yeah. some, with some loose change walk up to someone <laughs> to do that, break yeah. a dollar <laughs> <laughs> yeah all, all i want is a dime man a dime <laughs> you're right yeah so uh, yeah it's a yeah. little bit weird and again when the, um she jumps in the car and um she's with annie and the the, the fact they don't realize a lot of the time especially later on because um, they do go to the graveyard scene, but they're being followed. And how the hell they do not know they're being followed. And they get picked up during the daytime. And when they're dropped off, it's nighttime. I mean, what are they doing? Laps around the block, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's so I funny. Reefer to smoke. <laughs> I know, they're getting bloody properly stoned. But you do get Donald Pleasant goes to the graveyard. Um, and uh, why he goes to the graveyard, 
there's no real significance, is there, really? I mean, I know it, it's just to kind of tick a box for what happens later on in the film. But it's for um, it's for Judith. No, Judith's the sister, isn't it? It's for his mother and the mother's grave. Um, the, the gravestone's been taken out and it's missing and they blame kids. And But obviously, Donald Pleasant knows full well who it is. And why do you think he goes to the graveyard? What is the... Before you, you ask, actually, that's, that's another thing that, like, there's him and the cop that keep going, oh, these pesky kids. It's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. Like, they're going, oh, these pesky kids are all fucking doing this and doing that. It's Halloween. But, like... <laughs> You know the things that they're 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 trying to explain away are not what kids would do. Oh, but, this this kid's dug up this fucking grave. <laughs> of course it hasn't. Do you know what's so funny? What it reminded me of that, especially in the the 2018 one when you've got the sheriff and um, you've got the mayor, sorry, who's and every time they're going, it's Michael and people are fucking hanging out of windows, their heads cut off, and they've got. Max, um, those Max torches stuck in their heads, and they're like heads are like lanterns. That he reminded me of the sheriff of um, Jaws, no, the mayor of Jaws, where he goes, yeah. Nothing's wrong, we want people to come to the beaches, <laughs> there's people being eaten and limbs being washed up. They, they could have Keep on with, coming, yeah, stop scaring everyone. The, yeah. the same mayor in Haddonfield, uh, they did in Jaws because it's absolutely in ultimate denial that there's something wrong. It's so funny, but again, so, when they're getting followed, it sounds like the, it sounds like the government. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine in the UK. Yeah, idiots. But they're being followed, and he's really up at his ass when they're driving, and no one. He's obviously wearing that mask, and they don't look and find it weird. It's so funny. And as I say, they're driving around and the really brilliant bit is when they go to the uh, like the hardware shop that's been broken into and you've got the alarm going off and then you have Loomis turn up. <coughs> and as you said earlier, guys, it's so tropey and funny that he kind of senses something's not right. And you might as well have Michael drive past, stick his middle finger up and just laugh at him. It's yeah, but so Stu, Stu, that was my point. Right? That was one of the things that... that um the cop leans into the window of the girl's window uh, of the girl's car, right? And they just had a joint, haven't they? And that yeah. car's going to fucking stink of weed. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. And he goes, Oh my, my dad and my dad. And she, uh, she goes, oh, um, he puts his head in the car and, um, he goes, yeah, some kids have broken into the hardware store. <laughs> Did you what watch Scooby Doo actually? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. What are they taking? He's like, oh, you know, rope and um, uh, an axe, or you know, like the fucking go kit, you know, for a kidnap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the, yeah, yeah, the kids are taking an axe, and a, you know what these kids are like, right? You know, yeah, digging <laughs> up like, gravestones all the time and axes. I was laughing at my, I was laughing thinking. Kids would stink, still like fucking sweets and like maybe a yeah. vape, you know, these days. As you say, if they went through the crimes that day and started ticking <laughs> the boxes and they still couldn't guess, something <laughs> bad is going to happen. But yeah. no, they just yeah, blame it on hilarious. these pesky kids. But, these I'll, pesky kids, right? I, I love it when Loomis is there chatting to the copper. And then Michael just drives past him in the car. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Cooey. It's so funny. Now, when you watch it, 
It is just so funny. It really, really is. Genius. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. But and it, what I do like is that when they do go to obviously the girls are babysitting and you've got um Laurie's, as I said, babysitting Tommy, you've got Annie who's babysitting Lindsay, and she's gonna go and pick her boyfriend up Paul later on. And you've got Linda who's just a basic nymph who's got um a boyfriend Bobby turns up in, looks like Scooby Doo's van. It's really, really weird. <laughs> he just pulls up, he's stoned. Um so they're kind of on the night towards the end of this film, which we'll obviously talk about in more depth, they do split up. Um, but when you've got before that happens, you have Loomis and the sheriff go to um, Michael Myers' house. And I kind of always wonder, back in those days, of how much power and how much presence a doctor actually has in a sanitarium where he can tell a police officer what to do. And he carries a gun and he can run around waving a gun around. But bear in mind, he is just a doctor. He's got quite a lot of power, isn't he? Oh, yes, because even he turns around, doesn't he? The copper goes, oh, you know, I'll uh, put, you know, whatever, an APB out and we'll get... Oh, no, no, don't do that. We don't want to (laughs) alert him. So what do you mean you don't want to alert him? You want to find this bloke. Surely you're saying he's pure evil. Oh, no, don't tell anyone that he's here. (laughs) Don't do that. No, why would you want to do that? Let's see where it happens first. Yeah. Even though he's pure evil and there's a dead dog that he's eaten in the house. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Other than that, it's fine. See how it plays out. Trust me. Yeah. I'll go there on my own investigate. Let's split up. (laughs) I'm going to ignore that sanitarium car that's parked right behind me, even though I've been stood here for over an hour. If anyone's going to find him, I am. fucking ridiculous isn't it oh uh, it's great but and what they make a what i do like in this is that they kind of they talk about michael myers looking out of the window and they talk about where it happened of where he killed judy and they make a real big point out of this in the halloween kills film and they kind of refer to the fact that he what he's looking out on haydenfield and they say that it's a town where nothing happens so they keep referring to that and they're saying that he looks out the window because he's looking at himself and kind of re- like kind of retrospectively, that's what he's looking at. And they're saying in the the later films that he isn't after um, Jamie Lee Curtis. They're saying because he went and killed loads of people and obviously he went and killed her because she was there. And in the 2018 film, they kind of pitched it. Um, Michael against Jamie Lee Curtis. But if you remember, it was that Dr. Sartain who took uh, Michael there to wanted to see what his reaction was. It wasn't yeah. the fact that Michael sought her out. And they kind yeah. of point that out in the last film um, or the, the latest film, sorry, Halloween Kills, where she's in a hospital and she said, Michael's going to get me. He's going to come to the hospital. Don't look for him. And in fact, he just goes to his house again and he just kills shitloads of people. I think the kill count's 23 or 22 in that film. That he just kills shitloads of people on the way there. And they kind of point, they ask the question, was he ever obsessed with Jamie Lee Curtis? Or was it the fact that, and there is a massive worry that in the final film, if it is going to be the final one, that um, they're going to give a reason as to why he is the way he is. Because they kind of go on about, the more people he kills and the more 
powerful he gets, like a spirit rather than a human. Mm. And they're worried now, like the fans are, and it's kind of been mentioned a bit, <clears> that <throat> are they going to go back to, well, he was sexually assaulted and that's why he did what he did oh, and make it a bit kind of woke and yeah. a, a point to it and destroy years of fantastic films. And that is a massive concern that they do that. I hope they don't. I'd rather them keep it. He's just pure evil. And yeah, it's, it's he like can't be understood. Yeah, it's hmm. just, you know, he's just evil. He is. Like yeah. other horror films that have happened previously, you know, they're just pure evil, like Damien and stuff like that. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. He's just the, the devil incarnate. And it would yeah. be a shame. But I do think it's more, after obviously this first film i think it is more that laurie's obsessed with him than yeah. he is with her yeah. completely agree with that because she's yeah, always the one like in the 2018 one obviously they've they ignore any of the other films don't they yeah so it's this one and then it goes straight to that one and in that time she's basically trained herself and her daughter for his arrival yeah but like you say he would never have arrived there Unless that doctor, Sartain did it, yeah. Doctor Sartain allowed him to escape and return yeah, it, home, but exactly. he wasn't returning for her. He was just returning back there, wasn't he? Yeah, so, it, it's interesting. It, it really the way it plays it out, and I quite like that about the mm. the other film. But I mean, in this one, when you've got, and I think I could be wrong. I think it's Annie who bites it first. When you've got, she is in the kitchen and she's organising um, what are people doing, and she's obviously. Or the boyfriend's going to be on the nest later on but the dog is barking you've got that german shepherd and again it kind of flicks in between houses kind of building the tension and you've got tommy and i love the fact that tommy looks out the window and sees that shape standing there looking really sinister and that jamie lee curtis again and again tells him shut up you're an irritating little kid you're a whiny little shit and he isn't a boogeyman <laughs> Yeah, I know. Considering she's already seen a creepy guy driving around in the car outside the school in her back garden. Yeah. Hiding behind a hedge and the kid turns around and says, oh, there's a creepy guy outside. Surely, you know, she's just, it's almost like none of that's happened. You'd say, what did he look like wearing a white yeah. mask and a blue boiler suit? Fuck, that's a thing, geezer. <laughs> yeah. That's a boogeyman. It's a bit too yeah. much now. Maybe I should phone my best friend's dad, who's the sheriff. <laughs> and let him know when I could have done Why would that, I earlier, do that when I accidentally bumped into him. Oh yeah, I'm so freaked out because I keep seeing this guy in a mask. Oh no no, I'll just you know maybe I'll leave it because he's a pervert. I don't know. <laughs> it's good when you've got um, the kind of the build up to the, the, the very slow build up to the first kill, Annie, when she spills stuff down herself. And she needs to go out to the tumble dryer, which is outside. You've got Michael who knocks that basket off and she realises that someone's outside, but not enough to think, sod it, I'll go outside anyway, half naked. And then she and the dog goes out and he kills that dog. And that's when you realise that he's kind of like, it's just a monster, isn't he? I hate animal death, especially dogs. I'd rather the children die in this film. (laughs) 
than any animal's diet. And it's just mental. It strangles that German Shepherd. I think it would have been good if that German Shepherd, it would have had gone to have a go at him, but he kind of just cowers and backs away. That would have, I would have liked that more, especially as he wouldn't have meant he wouldn't have died and the dog run away. But it would have shown that an aggressive animal like a German Shepherd was even scared of this evil that was in front of him. I think that would have been good. Well, it would have been, that could have been a good take on it, definitely. But did you, you can think... understand why they did it because, oh, 100%. Like say, the, because, you know, that's why police use them and stuff like that, isn't it? Because they are ferocious. They're, yeah. But, it's so impactive, yeah. Yeah. But did you think to Tommy was an annoying little fucker, did you? Right. Or not? I don't know. I don't. I'm a bit like you. Sometimes kids in films piss you off, and I know they de- certainly pee you off, don't they? So mm. um, I thought I thought he was all right to be honest. I thought he he did what he had to do. Of bearing in mind it was Halloween, which is back then. Obviously, it's very scary. Now it's very commercial, and it's I hate Halloween anyway. I hate firework night. I think it's all shit and a waste of money. But it, it's um. Mm that he was terrified because of what he saw and he's clearly terrified because of Halloween anyway and he hates horror films so I thought he got the mood kind of right and I think that his kind of hysteria that he had fits in really well of the tension of especially when you've got Annie who goes after you see Tommy kind of panic you see Annie on her own in the garage with Michael just staring at her outside and it's just that countdown to when is she going to die? You know she's going to die. Uh, yeah. And it's yeah. when, how, and how grisly is it going to be? And I think it's played out really well, especially when she's standing with her back to an open door or they leave half the screen empty for it to be filled by Michael, yeah. which a lot of the time it isn't. This suspense, I, th- I can't remember which one of you, I think you, Neil, said that he didn't want any blood in this. No. And the fact that it plays with your mind the way it does it's brilliant isn't it because if they would have had him standing there with a knife dripping in blood or something else him holding that dead dog up or something like that it just wouldn't have been as effective it would have been shocking but the fact that you don't know what's going to happen and you're waiting for it is awful i was pretty confident watching this even back in the day that the girls wouldn't like the kids wouldn't get it would you yeah, or did I you think they stood a chance i, I didn't know i didn't think they killed the children but it is it's true though with the suspense side of it because he could quite easily have killed her couldn't he yeah in that in that um sort of outhouse where she's doing the laundry he stood by the door there's no one around and you it's almost like he enjoys playing with them you know Mm. scaring them there was a ton of opportunity wasn't there a ton of opportunity yeah massively and he just decides to lock her in there instead yeah and you get that because She's locked in there. Then she's stuck halfway out and Lindsay has to come out and rescue her. And even for a moment when <laughs> Lindsay's outside the garage trying to get in, you kind of think, is he going to get her? I mean, what's yeah, he going to do? Mm. Uh, and they kind of leave it open because you don't know on your initial viewing of just how far they're willing to push this back in 1978. Mm. And you've got when she's out the window just with her ass in the air, you kind of think, is her throat going to be cut? Is she going to have a head? And again, it's your mind deciding mm. these factors of what could possibly happen. Exactly. And but and again, none of it is. And she goes back and she's on the phone um, 
with I think it's Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she's speaking to. Um, no, she's speaking to her boyfriend. I think isn't she? She's she yeah. arranging to pick Paul up, um, which is ultimately a downfall. So she arranges for the girl Lindsay she's babysitting with to go over to Moni Tommy's house. Um, and I wasn't sure whether initially he was dressed as Luke Skywalker, but he's an astronaut, isn't he? <laughs> he's an astronaut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. that, but he's an astronaut. He's got that Luke hair. There again, so he? is Luke Skywalker. That's very true. That's very true. I think one of the things that annoys me about watching the female responses to um, the threat <clears throat> is when they, I think I said before, the way, just the way they're like, oh, um, is that you? You're playing, you know, you just, are you playing with me? Are you there? And just the way they respond to it, it's like, over, is it overacting? Or is it just, I don't know, just the way they act, it, it's not, it's annoying. It's done for, yeah, I know what you mean. It's a very simple way and a very basic way to get the audience kind of pull them back in and get them kind of involved again, isn't it? And it's it kind is, of like but a, it, but it's a punch and Judy is behind you. Yeah, it's it is. Forced, though, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, in that situation, you would not say, oh, is that you? Oh, put the fucking light on for a start, you know. Um, oh, no one does. No you? one does in this. No. Um, oh, stop playing with me. You know, it just, it's annoying. It annoys me. Oh, it's pure pantomime. Yeah, it really is. And again, that's it's the where... horror trope though, isn't it? Mm. You're right. It is. Trope. It is. It is. And they've done it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, as you said earlier, Paul, which is done so well in Scream that when they they kind of highlight the rules, and again they break so many rules in this. You've got the the girls are having sex, the girls and the boys are smoking drugs, which are massive no-nos in films. And people mm. don't turn the lights on, and you go off on your own, and you swear. And if you do any of those things, all of these which Laurie doesn't do, and she's the one, funny enough, who survives. But You've got Annie who goes to the car when it's locked. She goes back again, it's unlocked. And for us audience who are fully aware of this, you're like, oh my God, the car's unlocked. That means someone is in the car. And to be fair, I love this film. Her death, her facial expressions when Michael comes behind (laughs) and she realises that the car's inside is all kind of smeared up and strangles her. She pulls so many funny looks on her face of being strangled. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. I wasn't think I didn't know if she was being strangled or, you know, yeah, something else. Yeah, or Michael was there performing cunnilingus on her. Yeah, definitely. Do you know uh, throughout the film? Smiles. Throughout the film, um, Jamie Lee Curtis and her annoying, like whining and stuff. Just that did wind me up for a bit, like moaning and like. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. Towards the end, after his when he's had that fight with her. And after the scene with the knitting needles, when she, yeah, yeah it, it sounds like that as an invisible man there actually having sex with her at the time because she's making yeah. so many strange noises. But yeah. It's great when you get, uh, when after Annie bites the dust, he gets her throat cut and that is her done. And it, it's a good death. But you've got Michael hiding uh, from Lindsay, sorry, Tommy hiding from Lindsay. And when he looks out the window, the poor little kid again sees Michael walking past, <laughs> carrying Annie's body. And again, he freaks out. And again, no one believes him. <laughs> no. So your sister's being carried into a house. It looks like she's dead. Oh, that's right. You're talking it's, nonsense, Tommy. Shut so up, man. Funny. It's yeah. so good. And again, the hubris. this. Donald Pleasance must have been pissed up when he was doing this. When the kids <laughs> oh, go to gosh. the Myers house. And he's hiding in that hedge. 
It's so funny. And, oh. and you get Lonnie there, who's going to go into the house. And uh, he's being egged on. And Donald Pleasant's hiding there. <laughs> he whispers, get your ass away. All the kids run away. Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. It's such a good moment. It's such an arsehole. Oh. And then the sheriff's there. Scares the shit out of Loomis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I love that bit. It is quite funny. Loomis is a man who's on the edge. I tell you, he must be a bundle of nerves. I tell you. Oh, it's, it's just a little smirk he gives, doesn't he? Like, ha ha, I got him. And then the sheriff just puts his hand on his shoulder. And he just jumps 10 foot in the air. It's like, you fucker. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Do you know, what do you think? I thought... Um, when Tommy turns up, when he's with Lindsay, man, Tommy, if this was a stud back in those days in the 70s, I would have just been well out of it, honestly. His massive hair, his massive glasses. He looks about 40, doesn't he? He does, yeah. But he's, yeah. It's brilliant. He's punching. They're, oh, he's, he's punching. punching. They're both well on heat as well. And again, this is the rule that you just don't break when you're in horror films. You don't have sex. And Michael, again, is standing there watching them. And and as you said earlier, it's so true. And he's kind of toying with them. and He's playing with them, um, waiting for his moment to kill them both. And it's so good that when they go up to the bedroom and they kind of obviously they have sex and everything like that. And you know they're going to do it. This, this is the kind of thing that happens in... In Halloween, Friday the 13th, you get the kids breaking all of the rules. They're smoking in bed. He, She sends um, Tommy down to get a beer. And in the dark. In the dark. And the only light he turns on is the fridge light. And when he sees the door open and when you see Michael come at him out of that cupboard. And the fact and this is what's equally as scary and really eerie when, when Tommy is quite a big guy in this. I don't know whether he's a jock, that's never said, but he's quite a big guy. And when he's lifted off the floor, about six, eight inches off the floor, looking at Michael, you can see the fear on his face. And you don't see anything. You just see him smash a massive kitchen knife into his chest. And he remains hanging from the floor. And the way Michael, and again, this is explained really well in the documentary, (laughs) just looks at him, tilting his head, is really eerie it's like a, mm. a cat bringing a mouse in or and something he keeps like tilting that. his head doesn't he like yeah. he's fascinated yeah. with, with his creation uh, that's yeah. so eerie i've never ever mm. seen anything like it and, and since i've never seen anything like that either of there's just no vocals there's no mm. effort that he just pins him up against the wall and stares at him as if mm. like, that's what a body looks like when he's off the ground with a knife in his chest and from that horror the brilliant scene of when you've got linda in bed and you've got michael comes up with a cloth over his head with holes (laughs) cutting it with with (laughs) glasses on and just stands there i mean it's it's so funny for so many before that before that's due like when you look at the knife that he presents in shot it's about what eight inches and then you look at the, the victim pinned against the wall. You think, well, the chest is what six inches. You've got two inches of knife potentially in the in the woodwork. 
in in the um, cupboard and that. There's no way that that would have held his weight. So it's a bit weird. It was a bit, I a bit annoying. In Twelve inches, to be honest. That's the only inches <laughs> yeah. I know. Of course you do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Stew the foot. <laughs> so yeah that was yeah you you could tell there was no way that was going to happen you know but yeah anyway going back to what you were saying about the um cloth which is yeah they pay Touching a homage, homage to that death don't they in 2018 version as well yeah it is brilliant. do they yeah, yeah. it's funny to see that yeah it's yeah. really really good and again this is a bit that you would have liked paul that mm. when she's being strangled and you've got the what the sex noises they're supposed to sound like and that you've got laurie just making out she's playing games i mean it's terrible it's it's the worst strangle the deaths in this are comical they really are, they are. They are. It, it's so so funny and she's being strangled i mean michael has such a good sense of humor putting that sheet over his head and cutting the holes in it is brilliant and the fact that what makes it weird is he walks into the room obviously he's michael he doesn't speak and he picks the phone up and it's interesting for for one reason that um, Linda didn't think it was strange that Tommy didn't say a word. And also that Michael picks the phone up to listen to Jamie Lee Curtis's voice. Mm. I find that really, really weird that he does that weird in a creepy way, not weird in a stupid way that. Yeah, it it kind of gives you a sense of that he in this film, he really is going for he, he's got some kind of curiosity about her for some reason in this film and i like that i think it's really good and it, it's played out well and from here i mean you've got 20 minutes left of this film and it does go pretty quick you've got loomis who's trying to find her um or trying to find michael and he's running the streets helplessly and for once he actually spots the car that was taken from the um the sanitarium earlier yeah. I mean, it's taken him fucking ages. How the police didn't see this. How many police are there in Haddonfield? There must be only one police officer. I think shit. there is one. He's one and no one will phone him because he's a pervert. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no one will go to him with any problems related to children. Like, oh, God, we should call the sheriff. Please don't. I don't want him anywhere near my kids. <laughs> and this is when the ante does step up because... Uh, for once and at last and for Christ's sake you've got uh, Laurie Jamie Lee Curtis actually thinks something's wrong for once I mean it's taken three of her friends to be butchered but she actually starts to get the gist of what's happening and it, I love this in horror films and again watching it as a youngster it's terrifying but you've got um, Judith so it is his sister's um, grave and you've got Annie laying there um on the bed with, and there's a pumpkin and she's dead you've got the grave above her head which is obviously terrifying so that's enough to initially make her scream and then she goes back to the cupboard and then <laughs> you've got another body you've got tommy who falls down and then she opens the cupboard and then you've got linda in the cupboard i think isn't it yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah. Lindu's gone cross-eyed yeah, yeah. cross-eyed expression and it's just <laughs> so funny and it, it's brilliant and again i'll refer back to this documentary of when conveniently jamie lee curtis is leaning against the door rather than running out of the house she leans against the door and it's dark the way they got that soft light onto michael's mask yeah. looking at her f- through that brilliant. or from that darkness 
is so fucking creepy. Mm. And isn't it convenient that he misses her when he goes to stab her? Everyone else he nails apart from her. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it's awful. But I do like the man. shot. Oh, it's, it's, and yeah. He can strangle someone with a, a phone, but can't cut someone <laughs> when they're stood there. When, <laughs> when she goes to stab him in the eye, and he's got a mask on, it hits him in the eye. And that's with the coat hanger. What's that? Yeah. Is that in what? What the um? Oh, in the cupboard. In the, in cupboard, the cupboard. Yeah. On, yeah. 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 Later on. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play darts against her. Honestly, she's <laughs> a <laughs> she's a pretty good shot. But it's terrible because she does run around. She gets out of the house and she's being chased. And there's no one who wants to help her. It's as if this is a daily event in this street that someone's being chased by a psychopath and that no one wants to answer the door because no one goes to her aid, do they? No, I think everyone's gone out. Oh, do you think so? For the night. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, must admit, I wouldn't answer the door. There's no way that would happen. No way in hell. No? Oh, okay. No, it's what Halloween? If someone was saying knocking on my door, shouting out that somebody wants to kill me, I'd be like, no, nothing. Best of luck. (laughs) Yeah, see you later. (laughs) Good luck, mate. Yeah, as long as he doesn't want to kill me, I'm absolutely fine. But it's great because you've got she's but she goes back to um the address where Tommy is and she's banging on the window telling Tommy. She doesn't actually swear at him. I'd be losing my rag. The speed Tommy comes down the stairs, he's so bloody slow. That yeah. she's, she obviously, firstly, she should apologise to Tommy, saying you are right, that there was someone out there. And the phones are all down. And it's good when she takes that knitting needle out. And she stabs him with that knitting needle. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. But again, this is what you were going back to, Paul she makes these noises. I mean, maybe I'd make those noises if I was in a fight with a, like a <laughs> psychopath. I honestly don't know. I'm not sure but you would. Yeah. The, the, she's just whimpering and it's just so yeah, annoying. So much. Oh yeah. It was annoying. Yeah. You, you couldn't watch this with the volume up too high. Cause I think someone next door was thinking I'm probably watching like a soft porn film because it was really, really irritating. And again, you, this way the trope came of, when you've got someone who's a real nutter that you drop the knife on the floor, you don't stab them again and again. You just stab them once and leave it and walk away. Yeah. Oh, I've killed him. No, you've not. Yeah. It's so she, irritating. Oh, yeah. That's the thing, though, isn't it? And it, I think this is where this has come from, isn't it? I think that, that tropiness of I think I've got him just i can calm down there and rather than running out of the house screaming going fucking hell someone's trying to kill me and all this sort of stuff it's you know you see it so often now don't you it's, it's you the, do it's the norm but was this the original trope was this the original one where yeah like she had the opportunity to go you know what i'm going to put five knives in it rather than just the one um, yeah and it and, could be argued that she isn't a psychopath and she wouldn't stab them and why would she not have to think that me, if, if she stabbed someone with a a knitting needle in the eye or stab them with a kitchen knife that you'd be dead. Uh-huh. And so she has got that as a, a kind of a get out, but it's brilliant though. This last bit, the fact that she is scared and I love the fact that she does get, especially throughout all of these kind of the franchise, she does get an arc where she comes around and she's really strong, but she is a, a damsel in distress and it's good that she doesn't suddenly 
become like Ripley from Alien that she starts to kick his ass and stuff like that. I think it's great. I also find it amazing that he can't get in a cupboard. He can lift someone six foot off the ground. <laughs> but he can't get in this closet. Yeah, it took him a while, didn't it? He can drive a car instantly, but can't open a door. <laughs> he had such great difficulty. And it was brilliant. The, the fact that he's smashing through this cupboard and you've got the hangers coming off, you've got the clothes coming off, the doors are shaking and it's absolute mayhem. And it, even though he's got that mask, you can see the fury and the desperation just in his body language and to stab him in the eye. And again, you don't see, you just see the gesture of kind of her doing that. And it, uh, there's no blood or anything, but she gets out of the cupboard. She's got this massive lightsaber knife in her hand. And yet again, second time within about two minutes she drops that knife on the floor yeah and my mm. kids refer to this all the time of when michael myers the way he's laying flat and he gets up with his back straight and my mm. kids do that they do a michael myers when they're just playing around and it's so good and it's done brilliantly the fact when she's talking to Lindsay and tommy saying it's okay just get out of the house go to the mckenzie's get the police and behind, when you see Michael Myers get up again, you think, no way, this guy should be dead. And it's you think, what is going to stop him? I love this scene. It's so exciting. Yeah, I agree. It's creepy, isn't it? The, the, mm. Just the way he gets up like a bloody machine. And you think, how? How can yeah. he? He's had a knife in him and uh, a, a needle in his neck. Yeah. He doesn't use his arms to get up. I think that's what's so creepy about it, that he's just laying there and he just, like, it's just like a force of nature, isn't he? That's what he is. And you've got Donald Pleasance outside who finally kind of realise what's going on when he sees the kids running out. And you've got um, Jamie Lee Curtis there, naive to the fact that he's got up again. <laughs> yeah, Kenny's behind him. And you think, right now, if you die, you deserve it. You really, really deserve it. But he kind of goes to strangle her and you've got Donald Pleasance comes up and he does rip the mask off. And we learn throughout the Halloween films, and this is the most you actually see him without a mask on. Um, mm. This is where the legend was obviously born, um, that when his mask is removed, it's a massive weakness to him, isn't it? Yeah. And I like the fact yeah. that they do play that on throughout this. And Donald Pleasance does a dirty Harry and shoots him numerous times. And again, when you watch the second one straight after this, it's really funny because they lack so much continuity as to where, because out of this, Michael falls on the floor and in the garden and it's more mud than um, grass. But in the second one, when they show him, show him fall out, there's like a, an indentation in the floor to show the audience <laughs> that this is what happened. If you don't remember what happened in the first one, oh, that's amazing. it's so, so good. And you get that line from um, Jamie Lee Curtis about the boogeyman, about asking if that was. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. And it's such a, a, an amazing line, the way it's said um, like by Jamie Lee Curtis and with Donald Pleasance there. It's just such a good ending. And that's when you see that he's gone. And you get that tropey look on Donald Pleasant's face. It is funny. When you watch it now, yeah. it, uh, it's just brilliant. All I think about is really pissed. And they, someone's saying, look mysterious, look mysterious. <laughs> and, and they show 
the stairs again they show the lounge and it's brilliant because you've got the breathing in the background of michael mm. and it looks creepy and it's done so well mm. and it's just such a great end to an amazing film it really is but yeah i just think this, this end is just like no other and when you think what this started and all the different films that followed this of using a mask and a, a shape and someone who's unstoppable in all of these horror films for three hundred thousand dollars i know it's yeah it's mental the concept of this idea is i mean it's so That's so good i think having watched the documentary you appreciate i mean you'll you'll probably have this pull when you do watch it um you appreciate this film so much more after you mm. watch that you really do because you know for me now i this this film isn't scary at all but it's you know you've got to realize it was made in 1978 yeah and, I know. you know it, films weren't particularly scary back then it's and stuff but as the film goes on it's so frustrating like you've alluded to the fact why would you just you know you've stabbed him once you step you step sit there and drop the knife and funnily enough he comes back to life and then you do it again and you mm. do it again and it's like oh come on you just get the fuck out wouldn't you you wouldn't just yeah. keep doing it and it mm. it becomes quite frustrating but it's amazing that how long how many decades that's stuck for though isn't it really yeah. uh, when you think as you're right neil that and, and it's weird that for any youngster watching this like when i showed um my youngest i think he, i showed him when he was about nine because i wanted him to feel what i felt and mm. he was scared when he watched this but now when he watches it he'll look forward to it and it'll be a bit of entertainment because obviously you get desensitized this like um was it five nights at freddy's which is probably scarier than this the uh computer game yeah. but it's just what you don't see and i think as you rightly said when you watch the documentary when you watch 2018 and you'll enjoy this a hell of a lot more and i think to what this gave birth to when you sit and think about that of then you realize what an amazing film this is and just how they're using the same things now even in 2021 to get the same scares and they think they're recycling or they think they're coming up with new ideas but they're just recycling this really aren't they yeah that's all they're doing you're right <clears throat> they're, they're recycling the same old thing and <clears throat> you can see every single horror film now even like scream and like all the stuff that's gone since it's just a nod to this and friday the 13th yeah, I mean, they even do, got a new screen film coming out. They're, they're so short of ideas that um, but what, in a cu couple of months, screams out again. I mean, it's just yeah. insane. But they're short. The but what, what else can they do? You know, what else is out there? The, the thing mm. is, though, and I think this has been the case for a long time, especially for me. I'm not I'm not particularly bothered about horror films anymore, because like you just said, it's been done. And unless you turn it into some sort of, you know, like you said, some really gory shit like hostel which i don't find entertaining at all mm. I, I just find it completely unnecessary um what else can you do and uh, you know, yeah the fact that the new halloween's out i will obviously watch it and i'll look forward to watching it so i can review it but 
in all honesty, if we weren't going to be ruining it, I wouldn't bother going to the cinema to see it. Because it's been done. I don't think they're going to show me anything that's new and original. Because they've done it all. And that's why they keep recycling the same old stuff. And it is fantastic that it came from this particular film. And, you know, hundreds of films and different types of franchises have tried to be born from this one idea or, you know, type Hmm. of thing. But it's done. It's it's yeah. quite it's quite sad, but ultimately you are just churning out the same stuff, just with a different person as you know the protagonist, and you know the victims that are going to be killed in potentially weird and wonderful ways. But I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's become it, it's become quite boring. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. I mean. I mean, Paul, would you, do you want to kick us off with regards to best bits, worst bits? Would you recommend it and um, give you a score on this, mate? Oh, best bit, best bit would be. Oh. Makes good listening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the gap. Yeah, I, I think I think the best bit would be for me is like when you when he first comes into the the scene. Is that no, 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 no? The best bit is probably for me. Is when they arrive, or Tom Pleasance and the nurse arrives, and they've no idea what they're walking into. They've seen lunatics out in the street, or in, you know, in the in the, the yard, and that, and it's you don't know what's coming. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly you see the hand through the window and stuff. Yes, yeah, that's probably the best bit. Worst bit would probably be. Um, the predictive, and I only say predictive because I've seen it in a ton of films since, but this was the original um, predictive. Um, males, female victims going, oh, um, like I said before, uh, is that you messing around? Because you know what's coming, you know, and it's, yeah. and you can you can see that all, they've almost given the, been, been given the direction to say, to say, right, just pretend you don't know what's coming, but try to con you know communicate with your other half you know and yeah it's it just sounds shit to me um before we had the before we did this that i'd watched it i thought i'd probably rate it two out of five but after listening to you guys i'd probably give it a three and a half because i i'm listening to your passion about it particularly used to um and it makes you want to watch halloween two and Sort of get back into the franchise again a bit, so I would probably yeah, say maybe, maybe I would say right, yeah, I know it is, but it's a matter of getting around to doing it, so or watching it. So I'd probably say, um, what should I say, three and a half? Let's yeah, say four. Let, let's say four. Let's say, let's say four because I now want to see with the rest of them. Yeah, no, it's fair play, Neil. What about yourself, buddy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, I, I preferred. Uh, my favourite out of the horror films is Friday the 13th. That's the one I first ever saw as a kid and I've always sort of gone to that. So Halloween was never one that really piqued my interest. However, I have seen it and I did enjoy it for what it was. But having watched the documentary, I appreciate this film on a completely different level. The fact that they had 300 grand and they've made 70 million. And the, the... 
crazy little things they had to do to try and make this work and the fact that it was a tiny cast and crew and it was the original idea of it all you know i really do appreciate this film and i recommend it to anyone to watch yes Mm. it isn't scary anymore we've been desensitized to violence and all these other things um and it is predictable like paul said because you've seen it but you've got to realize that this is where it came from yeah and it's it's quite a magical thing when you think about it in relation to the cinema and the fact that at the time cinema was on its ass no one wanted to go to the theater anymore and he had to pretty much release this film <clears throat> by himself in a town to see if it would actually go anywhere and thankfully it did it started slowly and it built up and he ended up you know selling tickets everywhere and because of the cleverness of the name it became a worldwide sensation um so i really do appreciate it i think the best bit is the fact that i know that loomis was pissed throughout most of this film (laughs) and when you watch his acting in this and you think oh he's playing a really quirky character it's just the fact he's pissed up i think that's the best bit about this film because it's just hilarious um and the special effects and stuff the fact that the mask was born from you know william shatner's face that they just basically pulled apart um and uh, uh, yeah the worst bits are it's 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 gonna be you know the the tropiness that we know now obviously it wasn't at the time a trope but it is isn't it where oh he's dead i'm just gonna sit on the sofa that (laughs) kind of stuff that that Mm. even as a first i wish it never happened because it's caused it to happen a million times over in every other horror film so that's my worst but i'd definitely recommend it i'd give it a good four out of five and um watch it i wouldn't watch any more of them other than maybe the 2018 one but all the Rob Zombie one, but hmm. that's that's what I think. No, I I've got to admit I can just echo what you said, mate. I think uh, the documentary and seeing the the newer films, I, I think all sheds a completely different light on this. And you're right, guys. You you watch this, having to keep in mind that this was where it all came from, and it, it isn't scary, but it's just they've got that for me it's got that nostalgia and it's what you don't see and how can you create something back then so scary mm. and you don't actually see anything yeah. and i think it's so so good it was so original and the fact that they've ripped this apart other films have um in their own kind of homage to just how good this was and the lack of ideas they've got these days it's a brilliant film and the the newer films I think the more I watch the newer films, I kind of the more I enjoy them, and it's I, I can't wait till you see them to hear your thoughts of, um, especially you, Paul, the 2018, and when you both watched the um, yeah. the Halloween Kills, but I just really really enjoy this film, and it it kind of it's got a special place for me, and it, it's interesting when when we didn't speak about this, Neil, that but you make a really good point of what kind of side of defence you're on. It's like Sean Connery or uh, Roger Moore that mm. it depends on when you were born and what you're introduced to first just by pure luck or circumstance as in are you Camp Crystal Lake or are you Haddonfield and uh, Jason Voorhees Michael Myers where do you stand and 
they're both really entertaining films and the the original kind of Halloween films and original Friday the 13th film especially the twist of was Jason Voorhees doing it or was it his mum and the way it kind of turned out and stuff like that it was really really good and they are really entertaining with some really good deaths it's like um <clears throat> final destination of how is this person going to die you just know they're going to die which yeah. brings entertainment and I'm a full on 100% uh, Michael Myers and I'd give this four and a half out of five um, boarding on a five because it's just for its time it was the perfect horror film for me um, and it just brings back good memories I'd recommend it to anyone the best bits were the, the non-speaking parts of Michael the the hiding in behind a hedge and looking at her when she's at school and it's just those things really freak me out and still excite me when I watch them now. The, the, they're not the worst parts. The funny parts are the deaths, especially the deaths of Linda, especially the deaths of Annie. Um, when you, the look on their faces is brilliant. And when you think not many people die in this film. And compared to the other films, when he goes on a massive and he kills a whole fire brigade, it's just incredible. So... It's just brilliant, and I recommend it. It's just such a good film, and if you do get the chance, whilst they are on, because they do come off quick, as we learned through the Matrix, that mm. whilst it's on um, Netflix to view, just try. I know it's hard. I mean, I seem to be able to watch films all day, and people always say to me, "What else do you do in your life apart from watch films?" Because I seem to be able to watch everything, and um, I've watched all of the Halloween films and some of them are shit. God, they're terrible. They and it breaks my heart. It really does. But the Rob Zombie ones are really good. Really enjoy those. I think they're great. I think they bring sort of a real fresh kind of original taste of violence, which which is good. But um, yeah, completely recommend it. So it's been really good talking about this. I have to say it's it's been a yeah, long been time. Cool. And I'm, su- yeah. I'm surprised we haven't done it before, to be honest. So yeah. I'm surprised we did the 2018 version before this one. Well, but we always do things the wrong way around. When we, we did Rush Hour, we did Rush Hour 3 first or something. <laughs> number one, I don't know. <laughs> but. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but next, we should get the gang together and um, we'll have the Matrix. And what's the last one called? Is it Revolutions? Revolutions, I think. Yeah. So yeah, Revolutions. Yeah. Which is going to be really, really interesting to watch. Um, again, it's going to be a very divisive pod. And it's going to be an entertaining one. You can check everything out as well. The first Matrix, the second one, the origin, um, the Halloween 2018. That's all on the queue to watch on um, all good podcasting platforms as well. So is there anything else from you guys before we go? No. No, just thank you for listening. Great choice. And thank you. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Well, join us next week. We will be in wherever they film. I was trying to think of the land. Where is it where they do the uh, Matrix? What is it called? I was going to say Ragnarok, but that's <laughs> it's the Matrix. It's the Matrix. Completely different franchise, isn't it? So, yeah, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Thor, I'm afraid. <laughs> as much as I love Thor, it's not Thor. <laughs> we'll be back in the Matrix next week. We'll play out with some more Halloween music and join us. And uh, you take care. Goodbye. Bye.